Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to shout out the Polytopian Times Facebook page. It's a great place to go on, check out all the episodes, keep up to date there. You can pop on some comments, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to respond, you know, give some advice on how to improve your game. Uh, just, you know, in general, whatever. And uh, I also wanted to announce that we've just opened up the Polytopian Times subreddit, r slash Polytopian Times. Another great place to join in, chat with fellow like-minded Polytopians about strategy, lore, the podcast, and of course, I'm again going to be there offering advice on how to improve your game in general. Now, uh, let's dive into the episode. Hello, Polytopians. Thanks for tuning into the Polytopian Times. I'm your host, Sam, and today we're talking about the Vengear. Harsh, sword-slinging wastelanders seeking vengeance against the square that dared to reject them. This is a bit of a special episode. It's the last one featuring a standard tribe, and the first to feature a tribe that isn't based on a real-life civilization or culture. Vengear is a tribe with an awesome aesthetic, and they have Pinky Day, which is a feat no other tribe can claim. You might be wondering what that is exactly, and I have some good news for you because you're about to find out. Let's dive in! Up above you in the still air, dark clouds loom from horizon to horizon. They cover a blackened wasteland, broken up by jagged black mountain ranges, and dotted with clusters of ash trees, spindly white things with purple leaves sparsely scattered across the mostly bare branches. The leaves can actually be turned into a strong brandy with an acrid, intense flavor. The perfect thing to distract yourself from the dreariness of the Vengear wastes. Interspersed amongst the sparse Fengir woods are poisonous purple thixando shrooms, although they are a rare find. Far off you hear a primal roar. It's a rhino pig, a ferocious purple beast with black stripes, two sharp horns on its snout, and two sharp spikes on its tail. They're tanky creatures, built to take and deal damage. When they're born, the rhino pigs are actually ash gray, and they turn purple over time from the thixando shrooms they eat, similar to how a flamingo gets its colors. Unfortunately, the poison of the thixando shrooms kills most rhino pigs before they reach adulthood. As a result, they're extremely rare to find in the wild. Most rhino pigs are bred for war by the Vengir in their sewers. Of the polytopians that have had the unfortunate luck of running into a wild rhino pig, few manage to live to tell the tale. The Vengir themselves live in gothic towers made of stone with pointed purple roofs, or small clumps of sharp purple peaks atop a flat stone roof. Their cities rise out of the wasteland, surrounded by farms and mines. They wear silver helmets with a spike on the top, both sides, and a pointed piece that covers part of the face. The inspiration for the tribe was Mordor, from J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. The tribe's history, likewise, is inspired by Mordor's lore, with the Vengiri having been forced out into the wastelands by the other tribes who disapproved of their ways. They seek vengeance for this wrongdoing, growing strong on their hate and rage while they prepare for their revenge. With their fanatical devotion to combat, they aim to conquer the rest of the square by rhino pig and sword, and to wreak a bloody toll in the process. Although focused on war, the Vengir do have celebrations. Unlike those that other tribes have, however, Vengir's festivals are marked by dirges sung in mourning, with the Vengir adorning their faces with what they call sorrow paint, and attending elaborate and tragic plays. They have a similarly dark belief when it comes to death believing the souls of the dead pass through their gate of power before descending into the underworld, Herkther. To honor this, they have a celebration called the Skull Party at their gate of power, 
where they wear the skull of their favorite relative and pray and send them offerings. Now, we've covered a good bit of lore here, but we still haven't talked about what Pinky Day is and why it's such a unique feat for the Vengear. Pinky Day is celebrated on July 1st, and it's in remembrance of when the Vengear took Mijiwan hostage because they felt forgotten and ignored by the other tribes. Before they released him, they severed his pinky finger and fed it to their rhino pigs. No other tribe can claim to have taken the creator of the square hostage and to have done some damage to what is in essence their god before releasing him. They aren't a tribe to be trifled with. Well, let's talk resources and terrain spawn rates. Vengear has 10% of the default fruit, fish, and wild game spawn rates, meaning they have access to very few tier 1 resources. However, they have 200% of the default farm and metal spawn rates, so they do have a relative abundance of resources once they can reach them in the tech tree. They start the game with Smithery. In fact, Vengear is the only tribe that starts with a tier 3 tech. Because of this, they have a strong early game offense, as long as they're in relatively close proximity to their opponent. Unfortunately, due to their lack of tier 1 resources, they have a very weak early game economy that can take a while to develop. All this means their ideal games are ones where they can capture cities from their opponents early on, because their swordsmen aren't the swiftest unit out there, they play best on small or cramped maps, preferably both. Vengear start the game with two main decisions to make on how to proceed, based off of their starting circumstances. If they're on a cramped or close quarters map, and especially if they're in close proximity to enemy borders, they can spend their starting five stars on a second swordsman, giving them a powerful military advantage that should be sufficient to conquer cities without walls and that aren't using defenders. The best way for Vengear to quickly grow their economy is through conquest, so if you have the opportunity to get Conquest in early on, take as much as you can. If you don't start particularly close to your opponents, or just want to get more stars as quickly as possible, you can instead get an economic tech and spend the next two turns leveling up your capital. When it comes to which economic branch to start off with at the beginning of the game, you'll find you have an important decision to make. It will decide how your economy will look and function, and will affect how the game goes. This is because Tier 1 resources like fruit, fish, or wildlife are limited and not spread out equally so you can't rely on a single tech to reliably level up your cities, and you won't be able to grow your economy successfully without tier 2 techs like farming, forestry, and mining. So, based on the available resources in your capital at the start of the game, you need to decide what your focus will be. This makes the beginning course your economy will take very situational. If you have fruit, organization will line you up for farming down the road and reveal farms to you on the map, so once barren areas can be abundant with farmland. If you see wildlife, then hunting means you'll naturally lean towards forestry for your first tier 2 tech. It's the most abundant population source you'll have that only costs 2 stars, and access to catapults at the end of that tech branch provide excellent support for your swordsman when it comes to the offense. Climbing is a useful tech to get early on for more rapid expansion, and to line up for mining while revealing all the metal deposits on the map, which you can take full advantage of with forges because you start the game with smithery. Of all the tier 2 techs, you'll end up to leverage mining the best off the bat, but, unlike the others, there's no preceding resources to use for the initial level up of your capital, making it only useful once you get a basic economy up and running. With Vengear, it's overall best to be aggressive, especially in the early game, and to keep in mind you need to rush a tier 2 economy tech to support the war effort. Vengear is great for smashing opponents early on, so focus on that, but keep developing your economy in the background and you'll be able to keep dominating the battlefield. The best counter to Vengear are early defenders, which can soak up the damage the swords steal out and retaliate in kind at a lower cost. That and Archer Span can be quite effective in countering a sword rush while keeping damage done to you to a minimum. 
If you don't have defenders, but have archers, warriors can serve as a cheap meat shield, but you need to keep the stream of reinforcements to the front up to replace the dead. If you don't have archers either, warrior spam on its own may be able to prevent your doom, but it'll need to be fought as far away from your borders as possible, as you may only be able to slow the enemy's advance. In that situation, you're probably best off researching defenders anyways. To be concise, shields stop swords. So, why choose to play as Vengear? Got a cramped or close quarters map? Vengear vibes with that. Just love focusing on the offense? Vengear does too. If you want to dominate small maps against anyone but Quetzali, this is the tribe to use. Vengear Strunk. That was our examination of the brutality that is Vengear. It's been quite the journey we've had, touring the whole square and exploring the plethora of tribes that inhabit it. As always, thanks for tuning into the Polytopian Times and coming along for the ride. I assure you it's not over yet. Now that we're done with the standard tribes, we're going to move to some of the more outlandish inhabitants of the square. Next week we're going to visit the waters of the Aquarian, where the crabs and turtles play. See you then!